Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 429. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today I want to talk about being a visionary leader and why it's so uniquely challenging and critical that women embrace this skill. Now, I first came across some really fascinating research around women and vision in an article from the Harvard Business Review back in 2009. And as often is the case, the most fascinating research out there around women in the workplace came from one of my favorite scholars, Herminia Ibarra cite her research all the time, and I've been pestering her to try to get her on the podcast for literally years. So we'll see if I can make that happen in the year ahead. But she and her co-author, Otilia Obudari, wrote an article called Women and the Vision Thing. And in it, they discussed how when they did a very large-scale analysis of thousands of 360-degree assessments, so reviews from people's managers, peers, and direct reports, They found that women managers scored higher on every single leadership characteristic except for one. Quote, there was one exception, however, and it was a big one. Women scored lower on envisioning, the ability to recognize new opportunities and trends in the environment, and develop a new strategic direction for an enterprise. End quote. They go on to discuss how when they dug into the reasons why women weren't seen as visionary leaders, it gets a little more complicated. Many women that they surveyed said, I don't really particularly care about being seen as visionary. I don't think it's that important. I'm more operational in my focus. I'm more focused on making sure my team has what they need to succeed. I don't need to be the Steve Jobs, you know, Brittany Mike wearing turtleneck in the spotlight person who's getting all the credit for having the vision. I'm more interested in getting things done and getting them done right. Other women said that they were visionary, but they just shared credit. They didn't take all the credit for their great ideas. They said things like, this is what the team has decided would be the best for the next step or the next direction that we head in. So the perception of their visionary leadership was sort of dispersed as a more collective endeavor as opposed to individually attributing visionary leadership to the individual woman, right? So to the individual woman manager. And then the final theory that they uncovered in asking the question, why? Why are women managers rated lower on envisioning skills? Is that women feel like they are not as likely to just shoot from the hip. They feel like they don't have enough social capital to go out on a limb and say, well, here's what I think we should do without evidence, without concrete strategic planning, Because it feels a lot riskier for women to make mistakes, especially as they gain visibility by rising in the ranks of leadership. So women say, look, I'm happy to be someone who executes on a vision, who crosses the T's and dots the I's really effectively, but I'm a little gun shy when it comes to saying, here's what I think we should do and projecting their opinions onto the rest of the team or the rest of the department or the rest of the company because it just feels too risky. And there is good documentation that says women's mistakes are seen as more devastating to their careers. So I understand the risk aversion that women in leadership experience. However, understanding, this is something I come back to time and again in this podcast in a million different episodes, understanding the differences between being a good manager, getting things done and getting them done right, versus being an inspiring leader 
being able to cultivate and communicate a vision for the future that gets people fired up and ready to go is very clear. And so I struggle with this sort of aversion to visionary leadership that so many women fall into. I'll give you a quick example. Of course, there's many examples from my past life in politics. We could talk about Hillary Clinton and how she ran her campaign versus how Barack Obama ran his campaign back in 2007 when they were in a primary together. But there's an even more recent example that happened here in Denver. We recently had a new mayor's race. Our mayor's been term limited out. And after 13 candidates were in a general election, there was a runoff between two. One happened to be a man. One happened to be a woman. And I had the chance to meet these candidates, both up close and, you know, personally, particularly the woman candidate who came to a lunch that I was having with, that I was lucky to be invited to, I should say, with a bunch of incredible leaders in the women's rights and advocacy space who happened to be in town from across the nation and across the state of Colorado. And when she came to our table side and gave us her little sort of stump speech, I was taken aback at how consistently throughout her campaign, from television ads to stump speeches to intimate conversations like the one I was privy to, how often she talked about her qualifications. And this is so common. This is what I see so many of my women in the Level Up Leadership Program turn to when it comes to advocating for a promotion. We say, look, I've got the experience. And that's what she said. I've been in City Hall before. I'm familiar with how the city of Denver works. I am qualified. I am capable. I am smart. I am savvy, right? And she basically made her pitch focused on, I'm ready for this role because of my past experiences and qualifications, which again, many women I coach go for a promotion and that's what they say. Here's how I'm capable. Here's how I'm qualified. And that was it. That was her pitch. That was the focus. That was the focus of so many of my clients' pitches for promotion. That was the focus of this candidate. And she said, I want to thank you all for your support and may the best candidate win. In fact, she had a little tagline a feminist in me wanted to really like, but she had this tagline in the end of her commercials that said, sometimes the best man for the job is a woman. And like, rah, rah, women in power, women in politics, I love that. But I'm struggling to feel inspired by someone's vision that is just about their resume and their credentials. It's kind of like someone coming up to you and saying, hey, Emily, I have a really clean driving record Here's my license. See how I'm I'm licensed to drive this vehicle? I am a really great driver. Let's get in the car together. To which you might, of course, respond, and go where? Where are we going? Visionary leaders lead their message with a compelling image of an achievable future. What are we signing up for when we vote for you? What am I hiring in terms of the outcomes that you will deliver when I hire you for this leadership position? Whether we're talking about your job or running for the highest office in the land, what gets people inspired by leaders across the gender spectrum is a clear and compelling image of an achievable future. The male candidate in our mayor's race talked a lot about the kind of Denver he wanted to create, the changes he was motivated by, and what problems he aimed to solve as mayor. People questioned his credentials. People pushed back on whether or not he could deliver, but he wasn't focused on proving himself as capable of delivering on these promises. He focused on the promises. Now, 
for better or worse, visionary leaders like that tend to win over the trust of others. Whether or not they can deliver on those promises is a whole other story that gets people frustrated, which I totally understand. And truly, there are plenty of women who would say to me, Emily, I want a world where more people are elected based on their credentials and their past experiences and may the best candidates win, not the most inspiring candidates who have a really compelling image of an achievable future. And that's a fair pushback. But women and the vision thing, I come back to how this impacts each and every one of us. If we're so busy showing our driving record and, and showing our license, instead of telling people where we want to take the company, where we want to take the department, where we want to take the nonprofit that we're leading, or where we want to take the country next, it's not very compelling. In fact, that might be part of the reason why we have the broken rung of leadership, where for every 100 men who are promoted from individual contributor to first-time manager, only 72 women get the same opportunity. So when we're trying to navigate that transition from being a good manager of ourselves or others, crossing T's, dotting I's, getting things done and doing them right, to leader of others, leader of people, leader of initiatives, we have to project into the future and not focus unnecessarily on the past. Don't show me your driving record. Tell me where we're going. I was recently working with women managers at a global tech company and we had a conversation about inspiring leaders that they had been privy to. And it was really interesting to hear this gender difference around visionary leadership come up when I asked women, you know, who are the most inspiring women in your workplace? Who are the most inspiring leaders in your workplace? And oftentimes they cited people who were visionary and, importantly, had the follow-up and the follow-through skills to actually make good on those promises. So don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that we should exclusively focus on vision. We also have to balance vision with execution. And so even though I think women disproportionately don't value visionary leadership as much as we value good execution and real follow-through, it's not an either-or situation. They both can peacefully coexist. We need to wear that manager hat alongside the visionary leadership hat. And that really often means leaning more towards visionary leader if you've been exclusively focused on follow-through and management and getting things done and doing them right. So what's the takeaway here? When you are going for a promotion, it's the end of the year, it's review season. When you are talking about why you are eligible or why you would be the best candidate for a new job or a new position of leadership, or even if you're running for office, right? I'm, I'm actually really excited to be supporting a woman candidate here in Colorado who's running to oust Lauren Bobert. If anyone's inter interested in that, check out my personal Instagram to learn more and join me in Denver for an event we're having in early December, or just help me fundraise for this person because I think she would be the best candidate for the job. She has a very clear vision for the future of her district and the skills and experience to back it up, I might add. But whatever endeavor comes next for you, paint a clear picture of the future you're aiming for. Be audacious. Get excited by your own vision in a way that excites and inspires others. And then, of course, do everything in your power 
to have the follow-through to back up that vision with good execution. If you want to learn more about navigating that transition into leadership or going from an individual contributor role to a manager role, Level Up, my leadership accelerator is for you. Check it out at bossedup.org slash levelup. We're enrolling now for our next cohort. I want to hear what you think about this. So let's keep the conversation going in the Bossed Up Courage community or in the Bossed Up group on LinkedIn. And until next time, let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb. <laughs>